Welcome to the Flourishing Therapreneur Podcast, a podcast that equips therapists to thrive in business, expand their reach, and create flourishing and meaningful lives, both personally and professionally. I'm your host, Claire Blakey. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice. I believe in being a multi-passionate therapist. You can have a thriving, financially impactful business, be a leader in the community, and also a business entrepreneur. You don't have to choose, and your impact as a clinician can go beyond the therapy room. I believe that you can be a therapist and an entrepreneur, a therapreneur, and I believe that every therapist deserves the tools, community, and resources to build thriving businesses and flourishing lives. I pair my passion and previous career in PR, marketing, and blogging with my education and experience as a clinician to equip therapists like you who are multi-passionate and wanting to pursue additional opportunities to grow your skill set and expand your reach. So what are we waiting for? Let's get going. Let's create impact and build flourishing lives and businesses we're proud of. Here we go. We go to Google for everything from recipes to answers to our most burning questions. But did you know that many people are also looking for therapists on Google? SEO or search engine optimization is the number one way many therapists get clients. And you can learn how to optimize your website for search engines too. This spring, I enrolled in Optimize Your Practice, Therapy SEO's signature group coaching program for therapists who want to learn SEO. Although SEO can get super technical and complicated, Christy Platinga, Therapy SEO's founder, made it super accessible, and I've already implemented things that I've learned in the program. So if you're tired of wondering where your next clients are coming from, Head to optimizeyourpractice.com slash waitlist to get more information about how learning SEO can transform your private practice. Hi, Ari. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hi, Claire. It's so good to see you and be here. I'm doing so good. Oh, I'm so glad. So for listeners, um, Ari has been on the podcast before. You might have heard her episode. We'll link it in the show notes as well. But for those that don't know you, do you want to do a little intro of who you are, what you do, and how you support therapists? Yes, I'd love to. I was thinking this is like my sophomore appearance, like my sophomore year on Claire's podcast. Yeah. So I'm Ariana Smith. Um, I am a therapist. I'm a licensed professional counselor. I'm in private practice, big IFS nerd. Um, And then also I am a copywriter for therapists too. So a copywriter and copy coach. So I get to support therapists and writing copy that sounds like them and attracts their ideal client and just is infused with personality. That is my thing. Hmm, I love that. And there's so much value to what you do in terms of teaching that, equipping that. Um, and I think we might've talked about it a little bit last time, but I know for me, I mean, this is my own bias or my own experiences, but I don't feel like therapists are taught to like really use their voice. It's like, do the theory this way, mm-hmm. <laughs> do it this way, you know, like versus it being like, how do you want to speak into this topic? How do you normally communicate? Like really owning who you are and who you are as a clinician. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we've been taught, we talked about this a lot in my freshman episode, we'll call it that (laughs) (laughs) around just all the barriers that around being in grad school and what we've been taught. And so 
a lot of the therapists I work with really kind of describe the process of like copywriting and learn to write copy is kind of finding their voice and finding their authentic voice and allowing themselves to be seen, which is hard because we do our job behind closed doors in so many ways. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this episode specifically is getting me very excited. Our podcast season is wrapping up and I feel like this is a topic that is so important always, but I think especially as we wrap up this chapter of the season of just really speaking into rest and recharge. And I like the word that you're using, which is sabbatical and what that looks like as a clinician, what that looks like as a business owner. Um, So let's dive into it. Yeah, well, I Claire, you and I were chatting before we hit record. I had I returned in August from a two-month sabbatical. And I like to clarify because sabbatical and like academia is kind of implying you're like taking time off to like work on a project. And so people would be like, oh, what are you working on? And I was like, nothing. I'm spending two months off. Uh, it's like maternity leave, except I'm the baby. And I love it. <laughs> just, yeah, just taking two months off completely. So yeah, I decided, gosh, I think it was actually this time last year, October 2021, that I wanted to take two months off summer of 2022. So I took June and July completely off from seeing therapy clients, completely off from any type of copywriting um, work and just got to be a human. Oh, I love that. And that like feels really like opposite of what a lot of people do in business. Like most people don't want to, you know, maybe even being off for a week is really stressful, let alone two weeks, let alone a month, but two months, like I'm just thinking about the intentionality, the thought process, how you needed to budget for that, how you needed to have your systems in place to sustain your efforts. Um, I want to ask all those questions, but I also want to just quickly define, I know you were speaking into like what sabbatical is known for in the academic Mm. world, but for those that are listening, because I know for me, I hear sabbatical and I kind of think like religion for some reason. Oh, it feels religious. Is it? Is it that to you as well? Or is it more so like the definition of sabbatical, meaning like the unplugged time or like, help me understand like, what about that word or that like intention really resonates? Cause I think, I think we can all take vacations or rest, but we have different definitions of that. So what is the definition to you of sabbatical or like the intention of what you created with your sabbatical? Yeah. Yeah. What's the difference between vacation versus sabbatical versus leave versus I, for me, the definition of sabbatical is just an extended period of rest Hmm. where I'm not, where I'm not on, where I'm not doing any work. Um, so on, and that was, I, I spoke to a, a dear friend who also did a sabbatical before I did. And I remember talking to her and just, you know, I was like, Ooh, two months off. And, you know, you and I, Claire, we're like goal oriented type A people. We're like, (laughs) what could I get done in my business on two months off? And she was such a lovely friend. And she's like, no, don't, don't do anything don't schedule anything, don't plan anything, don't do any work stuff. Um, So yeah, definition wise to me, like a sabbatical is an intentional period of rest in whatever way that looks like for you. For me, it looked like I didn't want to be doing any, any work things. So setting up my businesses so that I wasn't 
reachable during that time. And it also didn't necessarily mean like vacation, like packing it full of things to do. Um, Mm -hmm. and just allowing kind of my body to lead on what I needed during that time. Wow. And for someone that's type A organized and goal driven, that feels really like the complete opposite way of doing life. Yeah. When you typically, at least for me, I can't speak to your experience, but for me as someone that's school driven, like rest is tough. Like even in the evenings when I should be just like on the couch, watching TV, doing nothing. Um, it's like my laptop's out. I'm trying to work on a project while I'm watching TV. Like, it's just, it's hard to fully rest and disengage. It is, it is. And there was so much emotion that I went through when I was like, deciding it. Actually, it was my business coach that first suggested the sabbatical. And and when she did, I kind of started crying um, Mm -hmm. because I don't know. I mean, someday maybe I'll get to a point where I'm taking a sabbatical because I want to, but I think on a deeper level, I I need it to. Um, And so maybe that's also part of the definition around sabbatical is like, it's, it's a time to like deeply, deeply care for yourself in a way that maybe you might not normally do you know, but you kind of have to do. And so for me, I really had to take that sabbatical. I really Mm. needed that time off. And I know you and I, we both talked to a lot of therapists, like being a therapist in the past couple of years has just been exceptionally stressful and heavy. Um, And so having that time away from that was just so renewing and allowed me so much clarity when I was like back seeing clients again and back in my businesses. Yeah. Well, and even like the piece that you named of like deeply nourishing yourself or deeply taking care of yourself, like what, uh, like, I don't know, like contradiction that can sometimes be for therapists. Like we do that so freely for our clients. Mm -hmm. Um, but to have that not just be given to us by someone else, but to give that to ourselves feels like the ultimate radical, like self-acceptance, self-love, like, yeah. And I almost needed like permission before I did it, you know, it it would have never come naturally to it to me unless someone was reflecting back to me, you know, I really think you need an extended time off. And I think when you receive that reflection, it can be really painful, right? Because they're noticing because in a way I think, and, and I moved through this and I think But I think sometimes we've been conditioned, maybe not as therapists, that like if we're taking a step away, it means we're a failure. It means like we can't do it. Like we can't do our job. Like we should be able to do this. And so I think, I don't know if I ever would have given myself permission unless it was reflected back to me. And I was in a really supportive like business mastermind community that was like supporting that. Um, because I sure as hell didn't get that message growing up. Um, I don't know about you, like definitely like, you know, growing up with just those values of like, you just work and you work and you work and you get it done. Um, and you don't, you know, you can play once all, all the chores are done, right. You can, but as a self-employed person, like when is everything done? You and I are just... (laughs) It's never done. So you never get to play. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, that feels really important. Like the piece that you named of someone reflecting it back. Um, and it sounds like that conversation was really pivotal for you. Like you said, you started tearing up. So what were they reflecting back? Like if you could kind of transport us, cause I'm imagining people that are listening, maybe you're listening, maybe they're, they're listening to it like now, 
maybe they're looking it up later because they're starting to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm like burning out. I need to find a way to rest or like recharge or whatever they're trying to, to learn. Mm. Um, so what were like your signs that you needed a sabbatical? I was actually working kind of, I had been working really hard to decrease my caseload for my therapy clients. And I found that that still wasn't fully helping. Um, that, you know, even though I was like taking some steps around kind of managing a little bit more, like I still was just feeling that burnout. And then also, I don't think I realized this at the time, but I see it now. I had no creative energy. I had no creativity. And I was kind of brainstorming the birth of my, you know, my now program, Courageous Copywriting. And I was, I just couldn't get excited about it. There was nothing creative about it. Um, Mm. There was no space for creative energy. And so I think that was also has become another clue for me that I need to take space is if I'm not feeling creative, if I'm not feeling excited about my creative work, then that probably needs that I need to step away and rest. Um, so yeah, for me, like this idea of like not being excited, but also not being chronic, like chronically not being excited was kind of like a sign to me. And then I also was dealing with a lot, um, of physical pain. Like at that Mm -hmm. point, my body was the way my burnout was manifesting was with a lot of physical and chronic pain. And so that, that really came down to the, like, I need to take a sabbatical. Like my body wasn't going to heal and rest unless I had extended time away, um, Mm. doing that. So those were the big ones for me. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting because I know sometimes we don't always connect the dots of the physical discomfort or how that manifests. Um, yeah. But also just that piece too, for you of like, with, you know, like you were saying, like you needing to be bored or needing to like have like play and like, you're so busy or your schedule is so full. Like you don't want to be creative, yeah. but like, I've always heard that like, you know, like some of the best authors or entrepreneurs, like they are really good at like, let's go surfing. And like, I'll do surfing for four hours in the morning and then I'll have creative energy to write. Or like, there's a a definitely like this dance of like balancing both and holding both. And I I really like what you're saying because I'm imagining like thinking of the therapists that are listening and thinking about our own journeys as therapists when you have a full caseload and you don't have free time in the evening because you're so burnt out from your caseload. And the next day you're seeing your caseload again, Mm -hmm. like, when are you supposed to get that like creativity or that recharge? So literally extracting yourself out and doing the sabbatical sounds like really radical and just really wonderful. Yeah. And I think what you highlight also is like, I think sometimes we can get really binary around what is work and what is play. And Mm. if I've kind of discovered anything, it's that play is also work too. Like the, like the biggest insights I have found come when I'm not actually sitting in front of my computer, you know, like when I am out doing things that I enjoy, when I'm getting lost in the moment, when I'm doing things creative just for the hell of it, that's when I actually get to show up better in my work. Um, and that's been, I think that's been another big insight for me, like that play is work. And I think mm. I had been raised that like play is frivolous and, you know, rest is luxurious. Like it's lazy. Oh my gosh. Like, 
Totally. My therapist has her job cut out for her. Cause I'm just like, everything feels like quote unquote lazy to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that we need that time in order to show up like creatively and refreshed. Yeah. So important. Well, okay. So what I'm wondering, because I know I have my own experience with this as well, and I had not taken a sabbatical, but I did take a three week vacation over the summer, like end of August, early September, I went for three weeks to Hawaii, which was wonderful. And I like, in certain sense, I felt very proud of that because as a business owner, that's trying to meet certain goals financially, like planning for a trip like that, spending a certain amount to go on a trip, not seeing clients for three weeks, sustaining my practice, knowing that I'm still reaching my goals for the year felt really empowering. I was like, I did it. I made it. I, I made sure I did this and it did feel good because typically vacations for me have been a week or two weeks, but to do three, like I really felt a difference in my nervous system. Yeah. Of course, when I got back, I got in a car accident, someone hit me. So my nervous system went out the window, but (laughs) the actual trip itself was really nourishing. And I'm like, I need to do this every like twice a year or like, you know, just all of that. But I must admit, like I came home and yes, I did afford that trip. I did budget for it. I did, you know, all those kind of things, but I realized there's something still off in my practice because I came back and yeah, I came back to all the clients, but I came back and like this past month, since like right now it's the end of September, I've just been playing catch up on all the administrative things, feeling behind, like having to catch up on clients. Cause I didn't see them for however many weeks. So then I'm like stacking certain weeks more. And it kind of feels like it kind of undid itself. Like I did that trip and yet it wasn't sustainable. If anything, I came back to like more on my plate. So one that has highlighted for me, okay, I'm onboarding an executive assistant soon. I can start delegating things. Like clearly I know that there's things I'm holding. That's too much. And I have a game plan, but it did make me curious being like, I feel like I did all the things right. Especially as a goal oriented person Mm -hmm. where you're like, okay, I planned for this. I checked off the list. I'm still doing this, but it didn't quite meet the need that I had, which was that full rest and like feeling like I'm enjoying work now. Like I'm not like this week has been hard or this month has been hard. And so I'm curious if you could speak into that with your sabbatical, like how did that feel different? Have you also had a history of other vacations and not feeling rested? Like why sabbatical versus like a long vacation? Mm -hmm. Gosh. Well, I mean, what you're sharing, I have so many thoughts around this. I think logistically we don't allow ourselves time to transition And that's something I learned. I really took to heart when I was learning, when I realized I was a highly sensitive person and looking at my needs as a highly, like an HSP was that I need time to integrate after I have time away. Right. So for me, if I take two weeks off, I tend like that first Monday I'm back, ideally I do, I block it off and I don't have any meetings on that day. I don't see clients that day. But also I think what I want to reflect, Claire, is like that shock of when you're coming back can actually be like a shock, like a wake up call to change things the way they are. Um, And so logistically, what I did around my sabbatical was um, thankfully I was coached that, uh, you know, there were so many things being the planner that I was, I wanted to like plan my schedule for as soon as I was back, I wanted to know what I was going to do. And I just kept getting coached that like, you're not going to know until you're back. You're just not going to know, like, you can't make these decisions until you're back. Like you, 
you can't know what you need two months from now, like post sabbatical until you do your sabbatical. So one thing I did do is, um, I mean, I gave my clients a ton of notice, Mm. probably more than like more than enough notice. Like I think I gave them like six months notice. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I just didn't want them to be surprised. Like two months off is a long time. If you've been weekly or biweekly, some of my clients I've been seeing for years and years. And so I just wanted to give them that. And then some of them were like, why are you telling me this? Like, I'm just trying to get to next Tuesday and you're talking Mm -hmm. to me about June. So that, so that was like a good highlight around that process. But I also set up systems so that I didn't have to be on while I was off. So I signed up for not like, I will swear by Spruce. I don't know if you've heard of that. And I'm not like, I'm not an affiliate or anything, but like, yeah. hey, if it works, it works. <laughs> yeah, they, they do text autoresponders. And so I just basically Ooh. thought of all the ways that clients could reach me, um, basically like how I could plug the holes around that. And then I came back from sabbatical the first week of August, but I didn't schedule any clients then so that I could ease back in. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's when I realized some of the big changes that I need to make to my practice, because I was able to step away and be like, okay, what is, what has burned me out? And one of those things is just the reality of running two businesses, right? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so that allowed me to kind of when I reintegrated with these new eyes, just be like, okay, what do I need? Kind of like what you shared, Claire, like you came back and you're like, I don't want to do the admin stuff anymore. Okay. Let's hire an executive assistant. So I don't always think the shock when you come back is bad. I think it can be like a splash, like jumping into cold water being like, oh, wow, here's what's really not working about the way I'm doing branding my practice or my businesses. Yeah. Well, and I think too, and I know not everyone can relate to this, but if you are someone that can juggle a lot, that you can multitask, that you thrive on a full schedule, that you actually do better when you're busy. Mm -hmm. Um, there's something about like the unlearning that happens when you're on a vacation or a sabbatical or resting. And like you talked about your nervous system and just the way Mm, you recalibrate. But then I think we're allowed to see in a different way. Like sometimes I think when I'm really busy and doing too much, I can't let myself see how much I'm doing because then I'll like lose it. (laughs) You know, like I am holding so much that if I admitted this is too much for me, then I would have like not a meltdown, but like it would be like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I had no other option, but I'm still doing it. So like, I think when you leave that environment and then you get to see what it feels like not to be checking your work email, not to be doing all the things, not to be listening to clients all day and working with them. And then you go back to it. It's almost like you said that splash of water, like that shock, Mm -hmm. the system. And you're like, this is a lot of water on my face. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or before you didn't have that for three weeks or two months or whatever you chose for your rest. Um, Yeah. And so that is, I like how you kind of worded that earlier too, like just being curious about it and like, yeah, like, why is this? Like, yeah, why, or why am I holding so much or how can I change this? I don't know how many of us really ask, like, how do I feel about my business? You know, how do I feel about my business? How do I feel in my business? It's just Ooh. so easy to to just spoke, focus on like, okay, I got to get this client in. I got to get this social media post out. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that was like on my sabbatical 
one of the things that was surprising for me is I've taken, I think the most I've ever taken off is two weeks. Okay. And so to go from two weeks to two months, I was like, gosh, what's going to happen? Yeah. My motto was like, ditch my alarm clock to, I wanted to see what my body actually needed. Um, so one of the things I realized is I need like nine hours of rest. So when I came back from sabbatical, I was like, I think I used to think I was a morning person, Claire, but I don't think I am. Like, I think I just thought I had to be so that I can get the most done in the day, but truly I feel best when I don't start sessions before nine or 10 AM. And Mm. I wouldn't have realized that until I, until my sabbatical, where I was like, my ideal time to wake up is like 8 AM and to ease into the day. Yeah. But anyway, I was tight, but I was thinking about my nervous system. So I noticed that the first two weeks of my sabbatical, I actually felt incredibly anxious. There was just mm-hmm. almost this feeling of like, oh, I was just very anxious from having been this like doing achieving person to just like, what am I going to do to measure my worth? You know, like, yeah, there's a lot of our like sense of confidence and accomplishment and self identity that is really embedded in that as well. And it took my nervous system probably two weeks to settle. Okay. And yeah. then I had two weeks. I did, I didn't just like, I mean, I did do a lot of nothing on my sabbatical, but I did do some house projects. I spent a lot of time with my friends. It was actually kind of amazing how much more capacity I had for my friends and family when I wasn't giving that energy to clients. So that was a big insight for me. Um, I went and visited my family for two weeks in Alaska. I've never been able to have that extended time with them. And there was a moment when I was like in Alaska, there would just happen to be great weather um, where I was like, gosh, is this what it's like to be like a type B personality? Like, I just feel so chill right now. I don't need to control things. Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately I came back from Alaska and the next day I got COVID. So I was sick oh, with COVID. <laughs> right. Talking about you got back from Hawaii, you got in a car yeah, accident. Car accident. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but then I, I got pretty sick with COVID for the first time. And, but I was like, Hey, I'm on sabbatical. Like, what else am I going to do? So that felt like opportune timing. And then I flew to visit a friend in Chicago and then came back and like did some house projects to channel my return to work anxiety <laughs> into something. Cause I definitely was like feeling like, Ooh, I want to get back to work. Like that was a really unique thing. Like probably about mid and July, I was like, Ooh, I'm kind of excited to get back to work. I want to see what people yeah. are up to. But I stuck to it. I'm like, I'm not going to do any work until I'm back. So like it takes, I think it takes so much more time to settle like the nervous system than just our one to two weeks off. And so then like, no wonder we go on vacation. We're like, why am I not rested? Because we need more time. Well, and I think what's interesting about both of us, and I know maybe it's different for everyone, but like you listed, it took two weeks to get your nervous system to regulate. And then I listed this is the longest vacation I've actually taken. That's a vacation. It was three weeks. And I felt like that extra week was actually really significant. Um, So that is curious to me that there's something about, at least for us, maybe not everyone, but we have this connection of the two week being like the like transition time into like that new mode of doing life. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you have these thoughts, but it's something that I've been thinking about, especially now that I am a business owner and, you know, ultimately I'm the one that budgets for gives myself permission encourages myself to take a vacation. Yeah. 
plans my year around, you know, rest and recharge or not, um, has made me really realize like how much of these philosophies and ways of engaging with vacations or sabbaticals or rest have I learned, or maybe I need to unlearn from being in the workforce for however many years. And, you know, especially in America, especially somewhere that doesn't value rest, it values productivity Mm -hmm. and busyness. Um, you know, I, I don't know what kind of jobs you've worked, but I know for me, especially when I got my clinical hours, it was like a lot of it was all unpaid time off. Um, but also like no more than two weeks a year, or maybe just take one day at uh, Thanksgiving and then still work on them, you know, this other day. And Mm -hmm. it was just very, um, sparsely taught (laughs) if Mm -hmm. not, not taught, just kind of assumed that you would still work. Um, so I'm curious if you have kind of thoughts around that too, whether through your clinical work or just in jobs in general, Mm -hmm. like what that norm has been. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You'd be lucky to get two weeks off at a time. I mean, what comes to mind is, oh gosh, I have like so many thoughts around this. Like what comes to mind is like as business owners, like, why aren't we doing it? Right. And then we have to look back at our conditioning and there's not like our systems aren't really set up for Mm. rest, you know, like I know when I worked in agencies and even previous, um, before I was a therapist, I managed a 24 seven domestic violence shelter. Oh, wow. 24 seven. Talk about no rest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like that's, yeah. So, but I think what was so hard is like, we go into this field because we're like helpers and it feels like a burden to take time off because someone else is going to have to take care of it. Right. And if you've been in nonprofits and agencies, everyone's already stretched so many so thin that it's like, God, if I have to take a week off then my client, you know, my colleague has to see my clients and I already know that they're so overwhelmed or like, um, you know, so I think there's a lot of guilt that we have to work through to get through that. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a lot of scarcity as well. And then I think, um, gosh, yeah, guilt and scarcity. And then just the conditioning, like of, just, yeah, our workforce, like what we're not supposed to rest because it means like we're lazy, we're a failure, we can't cut it. And I feel like I haven't been in AG agency world recently, but it seems like the way the systems are set up is that it's like, if you're burnt out, it's your problem, not our problem. Oh, ooh. Well, and I'm wondering with that, like, oh, I have so many thoughts right now. But like the piece of what it means, not just as you as a person, but you as a therapist, like for you to say, I'm burnt out. They're like, oh, you must not be prioritizing self-care. You probably have really poor boundaries, blah, blah, blah. Like the assumptions that we imagine people are thinking, which maybe they are, maybe they're not, Mm -hmm. but we have a lot of shame around needing to take care of ourselves because that makes us less than or weak or not capable or not as good as the other therapist next to us not as strong, not whatever words that kind of come to mind for you. But I, there is this kind of comparison a bit. Well, and I also think there's worth naming, like, um, cause you're talking about kind of the budgeting and the financing mm. and financing of it. And just also the logistics of it. And there is, a, it is an immense privilege to be able to go on sabbatical, to take time, totally. off, you know? Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. 
I definitely don't want to be coming at this and being like, if you're not taking a sabbatical, it's because of you. Like there might be a lot of systemic factors weighed against you, um, you know? And so I think that there's, I was just on a, a call today earlier. I think that there can be a gray between going on a two month sabbatical and only taking a week off a year. Like how can you incorporate um, just how can you examine these things that like keep you overworking and, and exactly like what you're saying around, we get this message as therapists that like, if we're burnt out at something we did wrong, it's like, oh, well, you need to go on more walks on your lunch break <laughs> and, you know, go to get that smelly candle. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it works. Totally. Yeah. Well, and it's curious. So with the piece that you named of your journey to sabbatical and having someone reflect it back to you, and now you've done it, you've prepared for it, you've lived it. What would you do differently for next sabbatical? Like is sabbatical going to become a yearly thing, a Mm. sub-yearly thing um, every five years? Like what does sabbatical mean now that you've experienced it? And like, I'd imagine maybe the growth edge would be like someone won't reflect it back because you'll know when you need to go next time or you'll be more attuned to yourself and what you need as a business owner or as a therapist, but walk me through your vision. If you even have one, you might not have one yet. That's fine. If you don't. Oh, you know, planning is my favorite hobby. Of course (laughs) I've thought about this. So I think there's an aspect of that shock that we talked about, like how we Mm -hmm. feel about our business in our business and taking action on that. Um, because when I came back from sabbatical, I did find myself just wanting to like keep with the status quo. And I was like, I didn't take two months off just to come back to the same structure that burnt me out, you know, and nothing wrong with that structure. It just businesses grow and you have to adapt. Um, I think what I do differently I think I needed two months off, especially because I was sick (laughs) with COVID for two of those weeks. But I think I'm going to, I'm already setting aside, I've already started saving to take six weeks off this summer. Um, I thought that that was, that felt like I'm going to play around with like extended length, Mm. but I kind of felt like I needed more like breaks throughout the year as opposed to, which I do kind of do like, yeah, I I usually take off the last two weeks of December, but I was just, I think if I were to do anything differently, I probably wouldn't do anything differently except, except like if there was a way to space, space that out a little bit more, but not sacrifice the sabbatical time. Okay. Yeah. 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 And then Gosh, I honestly don't know if I do anything different. Like I, I got a lot of guidance, um, and a lot of really great support around it. I think just the only thing I do different is I'd probably do six weeks. Um, because I was like ready, which I never, I was ready to come back to work. Okay. I was ready to get back to work around six weeks. Um, but then I didn't, um, because I wanted to stick to that boundary and gosh, I think also, I think that's maybe the only thing I do different. I think I wanted to travel more, but like it all worked out. Like I really only went on like two trips. So I think this sabbatical was really focused on rest um, and just spending time with like loved ones. But I think next sabbatical feeling more renewed, I'd want more adventure in there. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I really needed to not pack my schedule this sabbatical, but I think next one, like bring me in a little bit more adventure. 
Okay. I like that. Well, and I think the thing that stands out to me with what you said, like even just pairing that with your natural personality and the way that you do life of like planning of like for people that are listening, I know for me, that's kind of my intention is like, as I map out the year and I know some people do that in January, but I feel like this time of year feels like beginning of the year too, with like the school year. Um, and so just looking at that, um, kind of mapping out, like, are there certain months that are busier than others? Typically with my population I work with, are there certain months that would make a lot of sense organically to take time off? Um, like you mentioned the last two weeks of December, it's funny for me, that feels like the busiest time I work a lot with grief, but also eating disorders, body image. And so I feel like that tends to be like when people need the support the most. (laughs) Well, and I would, I mean, I would interject and say, you want to make decisions around your sabbatical when it makes sense for you, not for your clients. Right. Yeah. So like for you, if you have the most energy in December, by all means do it. Right. But if December is actually a really stressful time for you. Hmm. That's true. That's a good point to consider. I think it can be both. Yeah. I know. I think personally, I actually like working more in December, but And I think I prefer like the summer months of like, cause Santa Barbara is just so beautiful in the summer. It's like, I don't want to go to the office. I want to go to the beach every day, you know? So like there's certain times where I'm like, uh, but like, yeah, we don't have family close by. So we typically like hunker down at Christmas or the holidays and it just feels good. Um, but yeah, you're right. You're kind of checking personally. I think that's important, not just to look at the client load and the predictables of scheduling, but also, yeah, like checking in with you and like, is that in alignment with what you want, not just what your clients want? Yeah. I think it can be both, right? Like I know with like, if you work with kids, summers tend to be a slower time, but your clients are always going to need you. And if you base their need off of when you take a break, then you're never going to take a break, you know, but like, and for me, like I am not a winter person. And so Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) I need to drastically slow down come December, January. So for me, it makes sense. And I make sure my clients are set up with those people like you who like working. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Well, I know our time is wrapping up, but this conversation has been so timely, so meaningful, so encouraging. Like I know even before you went on sabbatical, like you were speaking about it for a while as we'd engage in like talking about future plans or times to meet up for other things. And that gives other people permission to dream that up and to be like, Hey, this, this therapist took two months off and their business is still thriving and they seem happier for it and not as burnt out and all the things. And so I just appreciate you speaking into your experience and just your vulnerability and your honesty. And also just the encouragement that I hope that this, you know, I feel encouraged, but I hope that the audience is yeah. too, of just reimagining what rest and recharge and vacation or sabbatical can look like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering, so as we wrap up, how can the listeners engage with what you're up to, whether with your clinical work or the copywriting that you do, what's on the radar for you? Yay. So my big focus right now is the next round of courageous copywriting for clinicians. Um, That actually came out of a period of rest. So I rested mm-hmm. a lot this time last year. And then January, I was like, boom, this is it. So, yeah. um, yeah. So courageous copywriting, that's like an eight week group coaching program. So I, mm-hmm. I keep it, keep it pretty compact to max at eight therapists. And 
It's this tight little incubator community where they get to learn how to write copy that sounds like them and reflects their personality and kind of really captures the transformation that they do with their clients and attract in more of those ideal clients. So that is the next, the big focus that I have coming up this year before, before my time off in December. Perfect. Yay. And so I will include all of that in the show notes, like the links for people to learn more, to get connected. Um, but it sounds like, especially because you're listening, like there's only eight people in it. Is that right? Yeah, folks, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but folks get a lot. They get one-on-one copy reviews. So like I basically go in. So the idea behind it is that you're not just learning about copy. You're also getting it done. So like the idea behind this program is like, you're not just going to learn about all these things and then never apply them. You're actually going to pick a piece of copy that you need to get done and work on that throughout the program. So applying it as you learn. So you get a lot of attention from me during copy reviews. Um, The group coaching calls are great because they're often other therapists that can give feedback around like really quality feedback. Um, There's templates, there's curriculum. So it's a really, it's, it's my little, it's my little baby, you know, I'm pretty proud of it. Well, and that's so helpful because I think that is something that a lot of therapists struggle with or like really owning their voice and really supporting their website growth. And I imagine the timing of this is really good too, in the sense of, you know, if someone's goal is, you know, to really hone in on that for the new year, like starting the process now versus overwhelming yourself at the beginning of the year. But it also sounds like these are really coveted spots that if they don't sign up now, they should try to get on the wait list for the next one because they sell out quite a bit. Yeah, I, this is round three. And so I've filled the past two rounds. Um, so yeah, so it is, they are coveted because I do keep it small. I keep it cozy for sure. And that's so important and so intimate and to have that like relational piece too that you get out of it is so sweet. I know. I love it. Thank you, Ari. This has been such a pleasure to have you and your sophomore edition is complete (laughs) and we'll have to have you back for junior year. (laughs) When do I graduate though? Like, I guess. Yeah. Well, are you going to go to college or grad school? (laughs) Yeah. I know. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Okay. This is a completely arbitrary structure at some point. I aspire to that being a PhD status on your podcast there. That'd be amazing. I love it. Well, thank you, Ari. So good to have you and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. So you want to launch a private practice, but you don't know where to begin. Well, you are in luck. Our signature course flourishing in private practice is coming October, 2022. This 12-hour self-paced course is perfect if you are a pre-licensed student, trainee, associate, or even a licensed therapist that is wanting to learn more about strengthening your private practice or curious to take the leap from agency to being your own boss. This course will walk you through all the steps from the basics of setting up your business structure creating your brand, building your reputation in the field, and strengthening your systems to help your business flourish. This course is filled to the brim with tangible examples, templates, and structure to help your business thrive and for you to grow and flourish personally and professionally. If this is you and you are wanting in, go to our website at theflourishingtherapreneur.com to join our waitlist to be the first to know when the doors open. 
We also have a free download on our website called 10 Steps to Starting a Private Practice, and it's available for you today. So if you're wanting to get started sooner or dip your feet into the idea, don't wait another moment. Thank you for tuning in to the Flourishing Therapreneur Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review as that helps other clinicians and therapreneurs find our community and thrive through our offerings. Want to take your business a step further? Visit theflourishingtherapreneur.com or our Instagram with the same handle. Connect with our free community or sign up for an upcoming course to help cultivate your thriving business and endeavors so you can flourish personally and professionally. Until next time, I'm your host, Claire Blakey, and I believe you deserve to flourish as a therapreneur.